Ready? Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Airy in the Air podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Today, I want to talk to you about some cognitive flexibility and bias. We'll start there. And take a second to open your head here. And let me just say some words and we'll see what they bring up in your head. That is the Romans, the Byzantines, the Mayans, the Greeks, the Incans, the Aztecs, the Egyptians. What all those things have in common? What do all those words have in common there? Those are all civilizations. Those are all civilizations that don't exist today. Right? What do we what can we infer from a long list of human civilizations that don't currently exist? Well, we kind of have to infer that humanity has never created stable civilization. That civilization is inherently unstable. Hmm. But we feel so stable. Experientially, this whole thing is so stable. The grocery store always has groceries. The hospital always has healthy doctors and medicine and rooms. Our dollars are always worth something. We feel so stable. It's actually pretty rare that anyone in our lives has a really visceral experience of instability. You know, like most of the people who lived through World War II are dead. Most of the people who lived through the Great Depression are dead. And so those people with really visceral experience of instability... They're kind of gone. And we've been so stable. We've had it so good for so long that our intuitions are conditioned by our experience. And we feel stable and we're like, ah, this whole thing couldn't turn upside down. Which is part of our cognitive bias as we are trying to take in so much new information that is coming out so rapidly. We have these cognitive biases that are stuck in us, right? One of those cognitive biases is that civilization is stable. And we know by the Romans and the Greeks and the Byzantines, the Incans, the Mayans, the Aztecs, the Egyptians, that civilization can really turn upside down and collapse entirely. Like, that's just how it is, and we don't know that experientially. Like, those, all those people are long dead, and all of that stuff is considered ancient. Like, we've even lost record of how that happened, because it's so long ago, right? But in a more recent history, we can look at the Nazis. We can look at Stalin's Soviets. We can look at the Khmer Rouge of Cambodia. We can look at Mussolini's Italy. And from that, we kind of infer that, well... The governments that we've created in the last few centuries are all essentially growing in a cycle that serve us and then enslave us and kill us and serve us and enslave us and kill us. And so 
And and you're right to think that, right? You're right to think that civilization is unstable, and you're right to think that humanity has only created unstable civilization and unstable governance. Because historically speaking, it's true. And if that surprises you, then your understanding of history is less than third grade. But we are now facing a time where we have so much information coming in from so many different places that our cognitive biases are potentially shooting us in the foot at every step. And this is a difficult thing because right now we all need really good decision-making, right? For ourselves, for our families, communities globally, right? We're kind of like pretty connected. We can all get sick from the same shit. It's like pretty good testament to how interconnected we are. So as polluted and memeified as our information ecology, we're pretty much in a situation where we need our cognitive function to be operating at a really high level and our old biases, our old intuitions of how stable things are may be hindering us from really understanding what is objectively going on. Also, there's another big thing in our brains that is the idea that humans have been (laughs) warning of the rapture forever, right? Like... Y2K and like is just my fifth grade memory of when the world was going to end and it hasn't ended. So we have that experientially. Our intuition is that the world won't end and I'm by no means here to tell you that the world is about to end. I'm just trying to lay out some of the different things that are old placky buildups in our brains, in our cognitive function, in our sense-making, in our intuitions that might make it difficult for us to navigate the current maze of sense-making, decision-making, reality check that we find ourselves in, right? This is so much to have in our heads, all of these things. But if any of you know me, you know that I am a paraglide pilot, a skier, a highliner. I basically spent my entire life doing dangerous things. And there is this one paraglide pilot who's also an ice climber and a really just like a super talented guy. His name's Will Gad. And he has this funny saying. He says, the positive power of negative thinking And what he means by that is basically at any turn in your paraglider, you are looking out for what is trying to kill me right now. What is trying to kill me? Imagining the worst case scenario and not ruminating on it, not dwelling on it, but just having that possibility weigh into your cognitive decision making process is not a terrible idea. We also know in paragliding that there's a saying that things that have never happened before happen all the time, which is just another experiential way of saying that our 
intuitions are conditioned by our experience and aren't always properly sound to make decisions as to what is possible in reality. As far as epidemics, we don't have to look too far back in history to know that epidemics are a thing. And that, you know, Bill Gates has been pretty outspoken for the last decade talking about how unprepared for epidemics humanity is, which is, you know, as powerful of a person and voice he is, we really, you know, America doesn't have enough hazmat suits and enough in 95 masks at the fucking hospital. Like how that happens is like, whoa, dude, like <laughs> we're kind of underprepared for what is a pretty guaranteed situation, right? Like, like even the common flu every year, like a lot of us get infected with that every year. Right? It's like we kind of can see these things coming. Right? But if too long goes between these things, our intuitions become less and less trustworthy in deciding the things that we aren't expecting to happen. And in paragliding, that's a pretty real thing. Um, and we take it very seriously because. It's our skin. It's our backs. We are paragliding in the mountains. We're in this little seat. We're thousands of feet off of the ground. And we're like under this like nylon sail that is attached by dental floss. And we're like, uh, we're, you know, we're pretty exposed. We feel pretty exposed. So as pilots, we're like looking out like what the fuck is trying to kill me here? And we take that pretty seriously. What are the things that I don't know here? Okay. And so... Right now, doorbell rang. Right now, hey Alicia, can you tell our guests I just need 10, 12 to 14 minutes? Sure. Um, right now, what is, <laughs> I know it's kind of funny, what is happening is essentially in our extremely complex world, we've got a lot of balls in the air, right? Like, informationally, we're trying to juggle all these different things. And if we fixate on any one of the balls, like say we, we could have the virus, right? Like the virus is one of the balls and we could fixate on it and say, Oh, you know, the virus is going to kill us all. And then we could panic about just the virus. But then other people are, there's another ball in the air that is the economy. Oh, we're all going to lose our jobs and we're all going to go broke. There is another ball that is Donald Trump is a moron and he says all these things and he does this and blah, 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 you know, and there's another ball that's like, oh, global warming. And there's like, there's a lot of balls in the air right now. But the thing is that if you fixate on any one of those balls too much, you open up the potential to have one of the other balls land right on top of your head. The balls that are in the air right now are quite heavy and they are, have been in the air for a while and they could come down with quite a bit of force. So object fixation is a term that we use in sports in general. If you're mountain biking and you stare at the tree that you think you're going to hit, you're definitely going to hit it. If you fixate on any of these one situations that is a part of the more complex 
nature of what's going on right now, you open up the possibility for something to cognitively land right on your head. So the, the reality right now is that scientists and medical professionals all around the world are in overdrive trying to figure out cures, trying to figure out whether if you get sick with COVID and you recover from it, can you get it again? They're trying to figure out how exactly infectious is it? There's so many unknowns here. And there are people all over the world in laboratories trying to figure some of this shit out. And on the internet, you have that guy that you went to high school with who is like, this is totally overblown. This is the government. They're trying to get a hold of your... They're trying to take control of you. Or this is just the regular flu. It's not that bad. There's like really high level thinkers who are deep in uncertainty right now. And then you have keyboard warriors who are reposting memes with absolute certainty. I think that outlines the problem right now with our information ecology, like pretty clearly. And I would just say to some of my friends that I have been a longtime anarchist and extremely skeptical of the government and how they are trying to grab power, take freedoms, uh, centralize control, centralize power, centralize wealth. That's a real thing. But let me just propose the idea that maybe it's not one or the other. Maybe it's not just that they have invented some kind of media hysteria to try to take control. Maybe there's actually a virus that is like a global pandemic that could be very, very dangerous for our public health, as well as our economy, our finance, our medical system, our supply chains, the fucking grocery store having toilet paper, right? Maybe there could be this threat and the government could use it to try to take control of you, right? There is a duality that we try to jump to that is like, it has to be this or it has to be this. Oh, stop worrying about COVID. This is, this is just media hysteria. Don't worry about COVID. The government is trying to use this to take control. <laughs> it's like, maybe it's both of those things. Maybe it's not just a public health issue, but it's actually a medical system overwhelm issue. And maybe it's not just those two things. Maybe it's also a, an economics issue that people are going to be out of work. And maybe it's above that. It's actually a finance issue that the whole banking fiat currency thing could collapse. And maybe above that, it's like even a supply chain issue. And like, maybe it's much more complex than your meme can express. And in fact, it is way more complex than your fucking meme can express. So for the time being, try to open your mind to the possibility. Open your mind to the possibility that you're not as sure as you think you are. Open your mind to the possibility that there's really smart people all around the world who are uncertain about what's going on right now and they're doing their best. They are in super, super overdrive right now trying to figure out cures, trying to figure out uh, logistics, solutions. They are trying their best to contain, control, solve these things. 
and maybe not everyone is trying to get you. I sympathize with you so deeply that it is so hard to distill what is real in this world right now. I sympathize with you so much and trust me, I feel that so much. I wish I had just like a really pure source of information that I could just like funnel to you. And in ways I do, I have intellectual mentors and cognitive mentors that I am looking up to in this time that I am listening to. I'm reading, I'm writing, I'm listening, I'm reading, writing, listening, reading, writing, listening. And I'm trying to distill some higher sense making from people that I trust into my own sense making that I'm trying to then encourage your up leveling of your own sense making. Because the reality is that we need everyone in this, right? Like in the face of existential threat, like a global pandemic, global warming, nuclear war, all these things, we kind of need a collective sense making. We need a collective, a way to take collective action. This is very difficult, but it involves a lot of involvement. We need your involvement. We can't have your cynicism. We can have your skepticism, but we can't have your cynicism. Your skepticism of whether the government is just making this whole thing up and trying to take control of your lives, we can take that skepticism. That is a good position to have. That is a good perspective. That is a good thing to be weary of. But if it makes you cynical that you give bad medical advice to my mother on the internet telling her to go to work, I'm like, hey, like there's a, there's a difference. There's a difference, right? It is good to be skeptical that the economics and the financial system could collapse in all of this, but it's like, that's just one perspective. And if you fixate on that one perspective, you leave us open to get blindsided by the perspective that you're not currently looking at. So I'll introduce a term called omni-consideration. Omni-consideration. How can we be omni-considerate? How can we be, in a personal level, it means how do you be conscious of your own actions, your own behaviors, so that they are omni-considerate of everyone who they involve, who they influence, who they impact, right? And at a bigger level, how do we look at any one situation from as many possible perspectives as possible? How do we be omni-considerate? How do we try to look at things from all of the perspectives? Okay, omni-consideration. And that is a segue that I want to introduce another term that I read about recently by this guy, Nick Farr. Nick Farr is a disaster response expert who's been working in this stuff for over 20 years and has worked all over the world doing disaster response. And he wrote this article called The Long Disaster. And essentially the idea is that in a typical disaster, when there's a flood, we can have some kind of immediate response that we can understand, right? Like the first responders, they go to the levee, they fill up sandbags full of sand, and they build up the levee to stop the flood from flooding the town, right? Well, this isn't quite the same thing because this is like this is going to elapse over the next number of years, right? And there's no way for us to just like throw resources at it right this second to like solve the whole thing so that three days from now it's all gone, right? Because three days from now, like it's not over. And 
And like three weeks from now, it's, it's not over, right? So this is like a long disaster that is still unfolding, which then introduces us to the next concept, which is the long disaster responder, right? If the first responder in a normal disaster rushes in to help, the long disaster responder doesn't rush in to help. The long disaster responder has been at work behind the scenes for a long time because the long disaster responder is someone who builds community and who builds resilience. Okay. They are people who are trying to build trust between their neighbors, new ways to communicate between people, new ways to cooperate, new ways to enforce our systems, like to make them more resilient. Like imagine the grocery store, right? Like all the grocery store employees get sick and can't go to work and the grocery store is closed and we're fucked. Like the long disaster responder is planting gardens. He is creating CSAs. He's encouraging people to volunteer and teaching people permaculture and teaching people how to grow and all of these different things, right? The long disaster responder is someone who learns new skills and volunteers in their community. Learns new skills and volunteers in their community. This builds trust between neighbors. This does so, so much. Okay? So I'll read you a couple things. For thinking about how to be a long responder, long disaster responder. In order for our approach to be sustainable, we must not think of our work as responding, but as giving birth to a better way of thinking. Mind blow, right? In order for our approach to be sustainable, we must not think of our work as responding, but as giving birth to a better way of thinking. And this is the crux of this whole thing, folks. This is the crux of the whole thing. We are beginning to see the fragility of our systems and we have the choice now to decide whether we are going to descend into a lower level of complexity, like where we all get fed by the government and we're like going to a huge depression and like kind of like war and kind of bullshitty stuff that looks really bad and we don't want and we've seen in history and we really don't want that again. Or if we're going to rise up collectively into a higher level of complexity, right? In order for our approach to be sustainable, we must not think of our work as responding, but as giving birth to a better way of thinking. Oh, that's what we have to do. If you want to respond to this, don't post memes, plant a garden. Don't post a meme, build trust with your neighbor, volunteer in your community. Don't post a meme. Don't post a meme. Don't be certain. Be curious of what is a better way for us to think? What is a better way for us to live? What is a more sustainable way for me to think and live and interact with the world and my neighbor and my child and my wife and my country and China? If you want to help, you got to think of what is a better way for us to live? How do we want to be governed? What's a better system of governance? What's a better system of supply? What's a better system of finance? What's a better system of equality, of economics? What is more equal? The long responder is inclusive at every step, every stage. The long responder is inclusive. 
and he builds community, encourages people to volunteer, learns new skills, shares his knowledge without question, without profit. This is a lot to think about. I hope that this helps you. I hope I encourage you to up regulate your own sense making so that you can be a part of the solution and not just nagging about parts of the problem and fixating on Donald Trump so much that you just can't see the other societal balls that are about to hit you in the head. Omni consideration, long disaster, long responder, cognitive flexibility and bias. These are the things we talked about today. If this is the kind of message that you think should be going out into the world, please, I beg you, consider supporting my show. Donate to me at paypal.me slash airy in the air. I really appreciate the support that has been coming in. It encourages me to keep going, to keep learning, to keep sharing my thoughts. And it also gives me the bandwidth to do that. So thank you so much for your support. I will see you tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast stream. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay sane, keep thinking. We'll see you tomorrow.